That's to say, farmers are very proud people. Very proud people. Yeah. They take pride in the ground. They take pride in their buildings. They take pride in their animals. They take pride in their machinery. And they take pride in their work ethic. Everything in their life is about pride. And what is one of the worst things that, that, that you could possibly do in, in people's minds is to die by suicide. That right there was Jeff Ditzenberger, a farmer and suicide attempt survivor. Hear his amazing story, how he started the movement in the agriculture industry around mental health. He even advocated for actual legislation that went through to help out farmers. This dude's amazing. I can't wait for you to hear him. It's the fourth part in a four-part series, Farmers Have Feelings. Putting the men in mental health, this is Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. When I initially threw the whole farmer idea out on my Facebook page, obviously I live in Wisconsin, so I got a huge response. One of the first people to get tagged was a guy named Jeff Ditzenberger who already does mental health advocacy and awareness in the farming industry. Plus, he's a dude. You already know I love putting the men in mental health. So I wanted to go see him, but he and I both agreed that the two-hour drive from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Argyle, Wisconsin, which is almost two hours away over by Madison, we decided both of us should skip the four-hour round-trip drive and just talk on the phone. Jeff Ditzenberger. Yep. All right, which, by the way, you have a fantastic name. It's such a fun name you to say. You know what? One of my all-time favorite movie series has a guy called Riggs in it. So Lethal we're going to get... Yes, sir. Nice. <laughs> yep. Now, are, yep. you, are you... You are still a farmer. You were a farmer. How does that work with you? Because I know you said you've worked in pretty much everything, but now you're in agriculture. I'm still farming. Okay. About 800 acres of crops. Oh, my goodness. Now, um, first question I just wanted to get into right away. How has the farming industry changed so much over the past, like, may, just say, like, the last, like, 10 years? Well, the biggest thing is, is that we've kind of gone back to 1980s prices on our commodities, yet the cost of doing business has skyrocketed. You know, and the one thing that farmers can't do is that when prices go up on the stuff they need to, to get to actually run their farms, is they can't pass that cost off to anybody because the government regulates the prices of milk, corn, soybeans, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So what's the competition like in the industry? If it's getting that cutthroat where it's operation is growing, but prices are going down, they can't, you can't really raise your prices. How, how big is the competition now? I don't know that there's necessarily competition amongst you're talking like with the farmers themselves. Is that, I mean, uh, yeah. I want to well, well, qualify it. Here's, here's my, this is not a fact. Right. Well, this is just stating. Well, this is just yeah. This is just yep. you stating so, your 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 belief. But here's here's the thing. I don't think farmers technically are in competition with each other. Like farm A gets paid the same price for their commodity as farm B does. Now you might find some ways to branch out, or maybe you know have some kind of a specialty type crop or something like that. Maybe that you know you can do something with. But competition wise, I mean, I think the only competition out there maybe is land rent. Um, you know, for guys that are trying to get more ground to raise more crops. 
you know, you can get into some land bidding wars and stuff like that. But competition, it's not really, we don't see that in our industry amongst ourselves. Okay. Specifically the dairy industry. Do you have any background with that? Uh, yeah, about 20 years worth. <laughs> right. What, the dairy crisis, like what, what has happened with this? So again, this is a pricing thing. Like okay. the last two years we've had considerably low milk prices to the fact where, you know, there's some farmers out there probably getting less for their milk than what their dads were getting back when they were in their peak. Wow. But again, you still have the cost of doing business and your input costs are uh, have skyrocketed. I mean, there's not a there's not an even ratio. You know, you, we'd be happy in the dairy farmers and, and every farmer for that matter would be happy to have have a excuse me, a one-to-one ratio, you know, for every dollar in, we can put a dollar out. Yeah. But it's like for every dollar we put in, we have to send $5 out. I mean, there's farmers out there that are very good, very well-established farmers that have good equity, money in the bank, that have been biting into their nest eggs, that have been told by their lenders that they're not getting any more money from them. It's a real concern out there, Riggs, because the thing of it is, is that, you know, like for a crop farmer, from a crop farmer standpoint, we have our biggest expenses in the beginning of the year when we buy our seed, our fertilizer, fuel, and all the stuff that takes to put the crops in. And then we go for six months or whatever it is, a few months, depending on what crop you're doing, whatnot, you know, but say you put crops in in April, then you've got May, June, July, August, September growing season, and then you start taking that crop out, and, you know, nobody knows what the weather is going to do so you've got that stress nobody knows what the market's going to really do so you have that stress yeah you know this year everybody is like oh rain makes things grow which is true but there is such a thing as too much rain exactly yeah. um you know and it's not like if, if you don't get a crop you don't get an unemployment check yeah you know i mean yeah there's some insurance programs out there that that help offset some of that but with the dairy farmer it's 24 7 365 like they're up in the morning to feed and milk they're you know at night they have to feed and milk and then they still have to do all the stuff in between there if they're, you know, raising their own crops, which a lot of them raise, you know, I would say probably 95% of them raise their own crops to feed their animals. So then they still have that part of it going on there. And granted, they have a steady milk check or a steady income coming in. But when that thing fluctuates, I mean, I can remember when prices were struggling a few years ago when my ex-wife and I were still married. Okay that there could be up to a couple thousand dollars swing between months on a milk check down. And I guarantee you our feed cost didn't go down. I guarantee you our fuel cost didn't go down. I guarantee you the cost of living didn't go down. So here's where all these stresses are coming from, Riggs. Here's where all these outside stresses are coming for for agriculturists because it's not like you can really put in your two weeks notice and just walk away from it. No, it's your livelihood. It's your whole family's life. That's where all your money comes from. Yep. And what people fail to realize, too, is that when a farmer or when a farm goes out, it's not just the farmer that loses their job. Let's say the average family is four people. So you got four people that are basically out of a job, even if it's not their full-time job. You know, if the kids and mom work off the farm or if the kids and dad work off the farm, because that's how it was when my wife and I were still married. I worked off the farm mostly for insurance more than anything, and she did all the milking and stuff, and then we did the crops together and whatnot. But you've got the feed salesperson. You've got the mechanic that works on the tractors. You've got the agronomist. You've got the seed salesperson and all these other people that are affected by that farmer not being in business anymore, the veterinarian. It's a vicious continuum.
continuing cycle. And studies have shown that every dollar spent on an agricultural product in a community is spent eight times over. It turns that eight times over. There's nobody else that can boast that. Meaning a consumer spends a dollar on a product, the farmer would spend $8 to get that product out to us. So if, if they spend a dollar on a far, on an agricultural related product, uh-huh. that dollar is turned over in that community eight times because you got the person who trucked it in. You got the person that stocked it. You got the person that manufactured. I mean, they just it's a whole continuous cycle. And the thing of it is, is that if all of a sudden, let's say that a farmer has a, and I'm just throwing a number out there. The, the, the numbers are astronomical for what farmers put out. But let's just say that a farmer spent $20,000 a year with their veterinarian. Okay. Okay. So that veterinarian puts money back into his business, pays the other veterinarians. They, they buy products to help keep the animals healthy and stuff like that. So now that veterinarian doesn't have that 20000 So where's he going to, or she, where are they going to cut corners or cut their expenses for a year because they don't have that $20,000 worth of income coming in? Exactly. You're passing on the stress to somebody else. Yes. Yep. So 800, looks like some 800 dairy farmers in Wisconsin, either quit or were forced out of business last year alone, which is a crazy number. Yep. Um, there, there's even been a, some instances of uh, some far, farmers even taking their own lives due to the stress. And like you were mentioned earlier, you, there's so much pressure on these farmers. So what do farmers do to manage all of that stress? Because you're at work all the time. You can't take a break sometimes. I mean, you're up at all hours of the night. What do some farmers do to manage that stress? Well, and this is where the challenge is at, because farmers are kind of a uh, a population that is kind of in their own own little world. I can't think of what the word I'm looking for here. They're right isolated. They're isolated, thank you. Very. So farmers are, 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 are a very isolated group. And the thing of it is, is that when you talk amongst your family about what's going on in the agricultural business, guess what, Riggs? You're having the same conversation, basically. Yeah. So you're telling your wife or your significant other, like, oh, this sucks. And they're like, we know, because we're, doing, we're living through it at the same time. And the other thing is, too, is that farming doesn't come with health insurance unless you buy your own. And health insurance, as we all know, is very, very expensive. Yeah, mental health and, providers especially. Correct. And and they're worth every penny of it. I, I, I know a lot of mental health providers. They're very close friends of mine. Yeah. I, I've I've even got one on my board of directors for my nonprofit. They're very worth every penny. But the other challenge is, is that there's few and far between. There's not as many of them as, as society needs. And two, the other thing is, is if you have to go see a provider, Riggs, what do you have to do? You have to take time off. Yeah. And for farmers, that's hard to do. Like, I can remember my ex-wife and I were married for 14 years, and we took two vacations together. And the only reason we took those two vacations together was because, one, we got married, and we stayed within the state to take that vacation. It was two days long. And the other one was because I want a trip through John Deere uh, when I work for them, and we went to Ireland. So there's not that separation from work because it used to be you could find people to come in and help milk your cows, or you had family members that were part of the operation that would come in and help you milk the cows, and yeah. they would do the do the work and stuff. And it's hard, laborious work, and not a lot of people want to do it. So there's that challenge on top of it too. So now what we're doing is we're starting to put awareness out there, and and people like me, I started a nonprofit to to kind of help with the farmers and their stress and how to get the help that they need. I was going to say, what is your organization? It's called Tugs, which stands for what? T U G S. Yep. So it stands for talking understanding, growing, and supporting. And the way I came up with the acronym is that I was in the United States Navy, and whenever and we were on the second largest dis- displacement ship in the U.S. Navy next to an aircraft carrier. And when we had to go down, like, narrow waterways, dangerous water passages, or whenever we came back into port, we had to call a tugboat to push us in. And I was giving a speech in 2013, and, I was, and it hit me all of a sudden, and I talked to one of my very best friends, on the way back from the speech, which was called Guys Night Out, 
And at Guys Night Out, what Madison State Communities wanted me to do was talk about guys and their F-word feelings. Oh, Which yes. is tough to do anyways. Yeah, it is. Men so, suck at that. Yep, exactly. So, uh, when I just before we got up there, like 15 minutes before we got there, I threw my speech away, and my uncle who was going with me was like, dude, what did you just do? And I'm like, it just doesn't seem right. doesn't seem right. So, they did my quick introduction, and then I started talking about my, my own life experiences, and the Navy thing came up, and it was like, wait a minute. Even big ships need help from little ships sometimes. And that's where the acronym came from. And then Scott and I got together and we, we got a board of directors. We formed our, our, uh, we formed our, our group. And, and our group was originally designed mostly for men. And then we opened it up to everybody because yeah. mental health and, and depression and suicide affect everybody of every stature, of every... Every uh, color, every of, gender, all of them, yeah. Thank you, yep. So anyways, now when the farm suicide crisis, which honestly rigs between you, me, and the fence post, and anybody else out there listening, this crisis has been around a lot longer. One of the things that I was privy to for 20 years as a tractor safety coordinator and instructor in my county is that I got the inside scoop on some farm accidents. And in the last couple of years, I've been kind of reanalyzing some of those in my head, and I'm like, wait a minute. Was that really an accident? I was just going to say, somebody asked me the other day about suicide prevention. They said, I've been hearing a lot more about it lately. Is it on the rise? And I said, well, it's always been there. We just have people talking about it. And I would, I would think it would be very easy to have an accident happen. And I'm saying this with finger air quotes with a lot of farm equipment. You know, you fell into something, something misfired, yep. something yep. Would, if they're yep. very suspicious. But you can't classify that as a suicide because you could say it was an accident. Yep. And that's the thing. Farmers are very proud people. Very proud people. Yeah. They take pride in the ground. They take pride in their buildings. They take pride in their animals. They take pride in their machinery. And they take pride in their work ethic. Everything in their life is about pride. And what is one of the worst things that... That, that you could possibly do in, in people's minds is to die by suicide. Yeah. So if you can make it look like an accident and then the life insurance policy gets paid out and then everybody remembers you for being a good farmer who had a bad accident, you know, that takes away from, from some of that. You know, I, I remember my suicide attempt back in 91, uh, especially since I started telling my story again and again and again and again in the last few years. Um, I remember how low I felt and how I really didn't care what people thought about it, but at the same time, didn't want to be a burden to everybody as far as I was concerned, but at least I wouldn't be a burden anymore. You know, and, and, and that that's the desperation that a person gets to when they're when they're in that mode. So now you've got bankers calling you, you've got your feed salesperson calling you, you know, you've got uh, your financial company that you finance your equipment through calling you, and you don't know how the hell you're going to make ends meet, much less put food on the table and no place to turn to. And this is one of the things that my group and one of the things that I personally want to see done more. And, and, and I worked with Tammy Baldwin's office, and we've actually got vouchers out there now through Wisconsin Farm Center that farmers can get their hands on and they can go see a mental health specialist. That's amazing. And yep. And I'll tell you what, the fact that they even can get in to talk to people is amazing. These mental health therapists that are that they're talking to are great people. One of the reasons that my group wanted to specialize on the agricultural side of it is because probably 70% of my board of 12, we're all agri-related. So we know the lingo. We know the language. We know when a farmer comes in and says they're only getting $10 a hundred weight for their milk when they were getting $20 a hundred weight five years years ago, we know what they mean. When they say cattle prices are repressed, we know what they mean. When they say that their agronomist is not happy with the fertilizer in their ground, we know what they mean, and we can relate to them, and 
and and I've talked to some of uh, some of my friends who are psychiatrists and psychologists that are like, I don't know, this farmer came in and told me this, this, and this, and I don't understand what he's talking about. So it gets that continuing cycle around where everybody else is starting to educate themselves on what's going on, on where their food comes from. And that's the thing that a lot of people, I still, believe it or not, Riggs, in 2020, don't realize that their food comes from the farm. It does not come from the grocery store. Right. It comes from somewhere else. <laughs> There's a yep. lot of hands that it touches and a lot of channels yep. it has to go through. Now, I'm glad yep. that you brought up that thing about relating to each other because we've talked about this on my podcast before how veterans can they react better and they take advice better from other veterans because they've walked that walk law enforcement the same way police officers more apt to listen and take advice from another police officer because they've been through that and you're saying it's the same for people in the agriculture industry because you understand you've walked that line you know what the stress can be like and you can empathize with that on a level that most people can't yep and the thing of it is is that my my situation is a little bit different because i deal with mental health i'm a i'm a qpr trained individual. I'm now also also um, able to teach QPR, which we can discuss here in just a second. But the thing of it is, is that I can relate and not have a biased opinion either because I'm not actually on their farm personally. Whereas like a lot of times if you talk to the father-in-law or the dad or your wife or either the sons or the uncles or whoever is directly involved with, you know, Riggs Farm LLC, they're dealing with the same stresses. And so they don't exactly know where to find that area to to eliminate that stress. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. You were talking about QPR, which is uh, which stands for Question, Persuade, Refer. Correct. Yep. And you are now certified in that, which is a great thing. Uh, people should definitely look into that as well. It's like mental health first aid. It's basically looking for those signs of depression in somebody, finding out how serious they are, if they are going to carry out with a plan, listening without judging, and then persuading this person to seek help on their own or through other professional means. How do you feel this benefits you in the agriculture industry, having this uh, this ammunition now in your brain? Well, the biggest, the big, I think the most important letter of that whole thing, Riggs, and, and, and again, this is, this is my opinion. This is you and I having a conversation. I'd have the same conversation with somebody else. The most important letter in that is Q, and it's the question. Yeah. And I tell people in all my presentations, I would much rather ask you the question and have, have you tell me that, no, everything's fine, or ask you the question and you say, yeah, I'm in a bad place. In, in, the, in an extreme case that I have to dial 911, I would rather do that and even have, and, if, and I've, I've dialed 911 on some people before, and they've been mad at me for a while because nobody wants to get the cops involved. Nobody wants to go to a, a place where they ha- might have to stay for a few days and, and have some people help them get things back on track again. And, but I would much rather ask that question and have someone mad at me than to go to someone's funeral after they die by suicide and have their family ask the question of why. Exactly. And the ripple effect of suicide is insane, by the way. I'm sure you know that more than others. Do you know any farmers that have taken their lives, like that you know officially it has happened? Yeah, not only just farmers, but I've had, I've had a, a few close friends that have done it. And, you know, and, and you ask yourself, you ask, and you beat yourself up. I'll use a real quick example. This isn't a farmer friend, but this is a very, very, very close friend of mine that I had talked out of suicide numerous times. And then there was a night that he had put on Facebook that he needed a ride to a job interview that was going to give him a lot of good opportunities. And then maybe he'd be able to fix his car and he could get his life back on track. And I was exhausted that night, Riggs. I was absolutely wiped. And I started I started a message to him in Facebook Messenger. And I said, if you can't find anybody, I'd be glad to give you a ride tomorrow. I can make it work. And I never sent it. I fell asleep before I sent it. And the next morning I woke up to Facebook blowing up about, we can't believe you're gone, Chris. We can't believe you're gone, Chris. You can't believe, you know, we can't believe you did it. We can't. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just talked to him. And then I looked and I hadn't sent the message. And every day. 
every day at some point in time. I remember that. Yeah. And, and it bothers me. And I ask myself why. And people will come to me and say, you know, I lost a friend. And I'm wondering why. I'm wondering why. And, you know, and I'll tell them, I'm like, you can't blame yourself. You can't take that responsibility on. You know, when people get to that point, it's, it's still a personal thing. It's nothing personal against you. And, and, and I can tell them that. And I believe it 90% of the time. And then I think about Chris. And it, it really messes with me after that. Not so, nice. yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And I think about it, too, myself with my own suicide attempt. And I actually, when I did my QPR training to get certified as an instructor, there's a part in there where they talk about the, the letter, you know, suicide letter. And I had not thought about that since the four weeks before I had my suicide attempt. I had not thought about that. And all of a sudden, I remembered it almost word for word. And I wrote it out and I put it on Facebook. And I said, this is what people go through. This is what this is what it, I mean, I apologize to my family. You know, I, I was kind of snarky to my friends when I kept the ones that I kept asking for help. And they were just like, oh, suck it up. You're a man. You can't cry. You know, I, you know, and I said, what I you know people will jokingly once in a while say suck it up buttercup to me not knowing my story and I want to punch him in the face yeah I don't because I'm not a violent person and I don't look good in prison orange but <laughs> but the, the thing is is that words matter to people what you say to people I mean I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge believer that uh, because it's been told to me also because of experiences but like, when you see somebody during the day and they say good morning to you say good morning back even if you're not having a good morning and if you see someone and they look nice you know tell them they look nice or if you you, you have a co-worker that you know has had the same hair for 20 years and then all of a sudden they do a different hairdo and you just say you know that looks really good on you or but the other side of that is too is that you know what is one of the common things that we say to people when we do see them rigs we say how you doing mm -hmm. what's the common answer fine. Oh, fine. everything's good what about that person that says to you, you know i'm really having a rough day yeah tell me about it how, you why, have you been, why have you been feeling like that exactly and are, are we are we are we are we smart enough or kind enough or human enough or trained enough to take that next step? Or are you just going to be like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, and then walk away from it? I think a lot of people are afraid to ask that question because they're afraid of what comes next, and they're afraid they're mm -hmm. not going to be able to help. Yep. And, and the same it is, you know, the thing that I've talked to people with suicide attempts or people that have talked to me about wanting to, to die by suicide is that one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things they say every time, I just wanted somebody to listen. And that's all you need to do. Like, you know, maybe that person that's having a bad day, and I, I use a quick trip reference because I said this, and this has been like four years ago. I said this to this young man. I'm like, how's your day going? He's like, I'm actually not having a good day. And I was like, oh, what's going on? He's like, I think my cat's dying. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's my first cat I've had, and I've had her for like four years, and she just has been lethargic, and I don't have the money to go to the vet, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I'm not a vet or anything. I said, but like, have you ever, you know, and you know, she was coughing a lot. That was the other thing. I said, have you ever given her a hairball remedy? <laughs> you know, I was kind of like half joking, but at the same time, I'm like, this is all I know that I would do for my cat. Yeah. And he was like, never even thought about that. I've never, I didn't even know there was such a thing. You know, this is my first cat. I don't really know a lot about cats, and she's been doing fine for three years or whatever, and I'm like, try some hairball remedy. And I said, and I, you know what? I said, I hope the rest of your day gets better. And I bought his coffee and donut, and I saw him a month and a half later. And he comes up to me, and he goes, hey, guess what? He goes, what? He goes my day gig get better. And he says, and I gave my cat hairball remedy, and guess what? My cat's fine. Look at that. You know, so I, I think in our society, and it's not just with farmers, and, and, and I tell people when I'm at non-farming speaking events, I tell them, take the time to go to your farming neighbor 
take a, a gallon of milk or orange juice or soda or or water or whatever and you know uh, a cooked meal or some cookies or a cake or brownies or something and just go over and and say hi to them tell them that you appreciate what they're doing ask if there's something you can help with i mean i i did this at a speech two years ago and i had a couple of participants call me later and they're like i got to mow my neighbor's lawn and i absolutely loved it and there was a farmer neighbor who was falling behind on some stuff they had been sick and whatnot and they were trying to get some stuff done etc cetera, etc cetera. and one of the things that they hadn't been able to get caught up with was their lawn because honestly a lot of us farmers we don't care about our yards as, as much as some people do because we got other things to worry about and so they offered they said is there anything we can help with and he's like i'd like to have somebody mow my lawn but i don't think right. that'll happen and guess what two hours later his lawn was mowed weeds were trimmed the flowers were weeded the, the whole thing and, and, and so then he this farmer was told another farmer friend about it and this farmer friend called the, the 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 number that they had for this little community organization thing that they got and the next thing you know they got a whole community coming in together and the farmers are like oh my god people actually recognize us people actually know that we're here people yeah. you know and then they ask questions and then they have little picnics together and then i always believe every day rigs is a chance to save somebody's life whether you know it or not i agree with that man i totally agree with that is there anything that john q public that anybody listening can do to help with the situation be it maybe shopping at more farmers markets or trying to buy more locally is there anything we can do maybe advocacy for farmers going to congress and helping with the prices like you said earlier is there anything that people listening can do to help alleviate the situation or is it at like a crisis level you think it's at a crisis level. It's coming. I, you know, we've seen an increase in milk price, and that's definitely helping. But of course, you know, you're trying to catch up on a lot of old bills and and that kind of stuff. And I know this is going to sound cliche, Riggs. And if I hear you chuckle in the background, that's totally okay. But honestly, just be freaking nice to everybody. First of all, you know, be kind. Have kind words for everybody. You know, farmers markets are a great thing. I'm all about buying local and stuff like that. But you know what? And I'm I, I I'm probably going to get cursed by a few people for saying this. The milk that's sold in Walmart still supports a farmer. Yeah. The milk that's bought in Walmart still supports a farmer's wife that's working at Walmart mm-hmm. or a kid of a farmer that's working at, at Walmart. And I know for a fact of some kids that are, you know, in early high school, you know, that are able to get jobs and stuff that are working off the farm at places like Walmart and Radio Shack and these other these other places in town that are helping and that are doing that to help out to pay some of the expenses on the farm. I know, like I said in earlier in my conversation, I worked off the farm, one, because I loved agricultural sales. That's what I did for 22 years, and I did marketing for another five. But I, I love being around people. But I needed the health insurance. My wife and I needed the health insurance. I, you know, two kids, and, and we couldn't afford it otherwise. There's no way. I would have loved to have stayed home and worked on the farm 24-7, but it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen that way. But, yeah, buying local is definitely good. But reach out to your farmers. Learn what they do. 90% of the farmers out there have an open-door policy. If you want to come onto our farm and you want to ask us questions and you want to see how wonderful we take care of the animals or how wonderful we take care of the land or how wonderful we take care of the the, the the environment around us. I mean, we're not out there to abuse Mother Nature by any means or abuse our animals by any means because that's what makes us our livelihood. Yeah. And as far as the food supplies go, you know, we're in the we're in a country that has the safest, most economical food in the world. And there's people that are hand producing this every single day, putting it on a truck. That trucker is taking it to the manufacturer. The manufacturer is doing whatever they need to do to it to get it on another truck to get it to the end user. And I will guarantee you that I can say this statement with confidence. I would not put anything on anybody else's plate that I wouldn't put on my own. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of that going around where there's a lot of bad publicity about farmers 
And, you know, it's kind of, you know, yeah. There, well, I would there, think there, like there, any industry, there's probably a couple bad exactly, apples that pop up and spoil exactly. the bunch. Yep. And yep. then that gets all the but, media attention. They think all farmers are abusing animals. No, this one guy yep. was an idiot and he was a jerk and ruined it for a lot of people. Yep. Well, and to be quite honest, I mean, we can, we can, you know, we could talk for another three hours on this, but there's also been animal rights advocacy groups out there that have staged some of these things. It's, it's in, they've, they've proven it. Yeah. And so it, we don't want to go down that slope, but I mean, social media has been a great thing, but it's also been a bad thing because, you know, you can throw information out there that's not even real information. And then the next thing you know, you know, farmers are bad people or cops are all bad people or right. firefighters are all bad people or lawyers are all bad people or radio disc jockeys are all bad people. Hey. Well, probably not. <laughs> but anyway, so, but I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we can do as a society, the biggest things we can do as a society is one, seriously, I know this sounds cliche, just be kind. It doesn't sound two, cliche because it's true. It's true. And two, educate yourselves. Go to an actual farm and talk to a farmer. And and and, and, and if you go to a farm and they say, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you, that doesn't mean that they're, they're trying to hide anything. That just means that they're not comfortable and just say to them, Hey, thanks for letting me on your farm. I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and find somebody else. But I guarantee you, we have a story to tell. Farmers have a story to tell and we're not afraid to tell it. Yeah. And we're, I mean, we're watching a demographic that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, I said earlier about us having the most economical food in the world. If we don't change something soon, that's going to change drastically. And then all those consumer goods that we think we need to have, like the big screen TVs and the iPhones and all that kind of stuff, yeah. they're going to be cheap compared to what you're going to be paying for your food. Jeff Ditzenberger, well, thank you, A, for your service as a U.S. Navy vet. B, thank you for what you do as a farmer, putting food on our plate and doing the, putting the hard work in every day. And C, most importantly, thank you for being a male in the mental health advocacy field, being honest about your suicide attempt, being honest about your story, and spreading that good word that uh, really being kind is sometimes literally literally all it takes. Well, thank you for asking me to, to, to be on your show and for uh, getting this message out because honestly, Riggs, it's one of the most important messages that we can get out there right now. There was quite a bit of suicide talk in there, so I would be remiss if I didn't mention the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255 or you can text the word hello to 741741. That's the crisis text line. There's always someone there to listen. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather hear about your situation than hear about your funeral because you matter. Thanks again for checking out the whole Farmers Have Feelings series. They're not stopping. More stories from more men and more people in the mental health field will continue next week for Mental Health Monday. It's a Rigs Off the Radio podcast. By the way, if you're still listening right now, uh, A, you're freaking awesome. And B, would you mind heading to wherever it is you're listening and just kicking a good review for me just so I can see that I'm doing a good job? Or if you think it sucked... uh, (laughs) Wow, you're still listening and you think it sucked. Uh, Please tell me how much it sucked. I would love to know your feedback. And if you don't have a review area, just go to my website, rigsradio.me. That's rigsradio.me. Enjoy the rest of your day, your afternoon, your weekend, your evening, whatever it is you happen to be doing. And remember, make good life decisions.